0: Hello and welcome to today's VJ HEMONC podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematology and hematological oncology. In this podcast, you will gain an insight into the most exciting updates in thalassemia presented at the 2023 ASH annual meeting. Tune in as experts Maria Capellini and Kevin Kuo discuss several fascinating topics, including the promise of novel gene therapies, ongoing trials in the field, and the value of precision medicine. My name is uh, Nika Capellini, I'm uh, a professor of internal medicine at the University of Milan and I'm very pleased uh, to be here today with uh, my colleague uh, Dr. Kevin Kuo from the University of Toronto. Um, actually, we are both uh, on the field of hemoglobinopathies and uh, we have some exciting uh, data and new data uh, during this the ASH meeting. So, Kevin, do you want to say something on, on the novel uh, treatment uh, which have been presented uh, here at the ASH?
1: Absolutely. Um, as you know, those sessions are not here yet, but they will be here on Monday. Yeah. There is the gene therapy session, which will be here more about uh, both uh, CRISPR therapy, CRISPR-Cas9, as well as CRISPR-Cas12A, as well as the long-term study of uh, Bluebird Bio's uh, BB one 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 or the Lovel cell therapy. Um, those are all very exciting. We see that you know there's really, uh, improvement in quality of life in the long term treatment up to six years, as well as you know there's uh, also transfusion indi- independence in patients who who receive the CRISPR Cas nine therapy. So and there's
0: some preliminary exciting data as
1: well from the CRISPR-Cas12A, which is from the Editas.
0: And from, for uh, CRISPR-Cas9, mm-hmm. uh, the news which uh, really is exciting was the approval yes. by FDA uh, two days ago for uh, sickle cell disease. Sure. And uh, most probably it will be also coming uh, approved for uh, thalassemia. Beside uh, this, uh, let's say, molecular approach, uh, which is a cure of the disease, uh, have you been uh, excited uh, by some results uh, of the uh, pharmacological treatment of uh, ineffective erythropoiesis or red cell metabolism? Can you say? something to that. Yes, absolutely.
1: And, and Nika, you and I well know that there are limitations with gene therapy, particularly, yeah. you know, with the use of myeloablation. Yeah. Um, we can get to that later, but uh, yeah, let's start with the pharmacologic therapy. There is Um There is now long-term data on the improvement in quality outcome uh, with the BEYOND study. So in that, um, all of the patients that, that were on losartan we see that there was a continual improvement, sustained improvement in the patient-reported outcomes. Uh, And
0: this is a drug already approved, either by FDA and EMA, Mm -hmm. And the, uh, let's say, uh, approval was for treating anemia in transfusion-dependent or Mm -hmm. or non-transfusion-dependent thalassemia. And Mm -hmm. nowadays, as you said, we have long-term data which not only uh, present a sustained response, but also we start to see an improvement of quality of life. And what about uh, PK activator? You are uh, the the leader of these uh, uh, studies.
1: Uh, it's very exciting I to say that screen. you know we continue on both the energized as well as the energized study for Metapivat and Sweeney. for the FT 4202 two two The Gladius study is also ongoing. We currently do not have data uh, results yet for those two, but I'm eagerly awaiting for uh, future results uh, next year.
0: And that's also although the mechanism of action is different mm-hmm. than LuSpattercept, uh, but definitely. The, the result of the phase two were well, very excited, uh, exactly. exciting. So uh, we have nowadays a new scenario of treatment uh, of thalassemia as well as sickle cell disease, mm-hmm. and uh, in the coming years, for sure, we will have, uh, uh, let's say, several different approaches. Uh, to be adapted uh, to patients. So we are moving to precise medicine. And uh, the challenge nowadays, from my point of view, is to be able uh, to define a specific profile of patients, uh, identifying some biomarkers, uh, which allow to identify those uh, who are more susceptible to be treated in one way or the other, and this is a uh, very challenging, uh, challenging but definitely very exciting.
1: So Nika, as you know, many of our patients still suffer from uh, many complications from thalassemia. Um, you know, unfortunately, there is no good way of reversing that, even if, say, they do engage in gene therapy or some other uh, disease-modifying agents. Do yeah. we have any news
0: on how to manage that? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, the uh, survival curves now are completely changed compared mm-hmm. to the past. We have thalassemia patients over 50, even over 60, mm-hmm. and definitely we are starting to see complications uh, or morbidities, uh, which were not common in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I look around, there are no many data presented at Mm -hmm. ASH, but a few things are underlined. One is, for example, the increased prevalence of arrhythmia in uh, adult patients, which is not really related to the iron overload, because most of these patients are well chelated, Mm -hmm. but probably considering that uh, atrial fibrillation is common uh, in a general population, but here is even more common compared by age, mm-hmm. and it appears earlier. Mm-hmm. What is the, why is this happening? Is just because the myocardial, myocardial tissue mm-hmm. is fibrotic? We don't know, but mm-hmm. we have to look at that. Another morbidities, of course, which is now occurring, are uh, tumors, mm-hmm. cancer. Yes. Uh, that's true, particularly for liver cancer, mm-hmm. and that can be uh, e- explained by by iron overload, yes. hepatitis C infection. But definitely, is more prevalent in in adult mm-hmm. patients, and. Um, is also difficult to treat, uh, yeah, and so we are trying to look now uh, to to all these uh, uh, clinical uh, uh, morbidities which were not used to see before. So I, I want, I, I would like to say that we have to look further and write the history of the adult thalassemia patients in order to see how to treat them or how to prevent them.
1: But I think um, what you just said also highlights the fact that these patients, as they get older, will need some form of treatment. Of course. And uh, gene therapy being so restrictive in terms of inclusion for age, um, probably is not the right choice. So exactly. disease-modifying yeah. therapies, you know, like Luspartacept, for example, or even other it like kinds you know, uh, yeah. activators would probably be helpful.
0: I, I definitely uh, think that uh, we, we should look carefully at mm-hmm. the different population, the different option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as, as you say that, I mean, yeah. it's not, uh, uh, our duty, but yeah. the cost uh, of uh, gene therapy, genome yeah. editing, will definitely limit mm-hmm. the, the the application. So uh, selecting the proper patients uh, has a cost benefit yeah. uh, which has to be considered.
1: I, I think it goes beyond cost, right? Because it's about the resources, it's not just oh, about course, the cost course. of the gene therapy, it's also the, the need for inpatient beds, nursing, the, exactly. the doctors, the phoresis, exactly. imaging. So it,
0: it's nice so, to have uh, the, the possibility <coughs> to use also, exactly. maybe before yep. in intermi- therapy, pharmacological mm-hmm. approaches and yes. see how they behave and how the results. So, definitely, the coming years will be for the mm-hmm. young physician treating thalassemia yeah. a very fascinating and challenging Absolutely. time and for the patient of course they are starting to see mm-hmm. what they were looking for since many years
1: having choices okay. empowers both the clinicians and as well the, as the, the patients. patients
0: definitely
1: yeah last but not least you you i want to bring back the idea of precision therapy medicine. because you talked about the precision medicine and and I saw something very fascinating today at, um, at some uh, gene therapy session. We are currently challenged by the fact that we still need to do full myeloablation yeah. for gene therapy. Yeah. yeah, what I did see today though was very fascinating. There was a, an abstract, oral abstract, on the use of NTCD117, uh, ADC, in uh, monkeys to deplete uh, the yeah. CD34 positive stem cells. I think that is one way of doing myeloblation without the toxicity yeah. of uh, chemotherapy. And, and in that study, they showed that the uh, rhesus monkeys were able to uh, reproduce. Uh, there was another one where um, in using both um, a truncated Ypo editing, by truncating yeah. EPO receptor, and also the addition of alpha globin that they were able to rescue wow. uh, the, the stem cells of uh, CD34 uh, the CD34 positive stem cells of uh, alpha thalassemia so uh, as we all know alpha thalassemia major is a huge area yeah. of uh, unmet need i mean there's Definitely very few true. of them but they are
0: very hard those to treat. are very yeah yes yeah so that will be a step forward because mm-hmm. the myeloblation with the busulfan is still a concern mm-hmm. um, because we know the, the impact of uh, busulfan. And uh, patients sometimes, uh, although they are keen to have the treatment, yes. when they realize the risk, mm-hmm. uh, they step down. Exactly. So having uh, uh, other possibility mm-hmm. for doing that will be another step forward. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJHemonk and subscribe to VJHemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.